0: Happy Wednesday, football fans, and welcome in to another edition of the Pro Football Chase Podcast. I'm Isaac Sines, and I thank you for joining me. In today's episode, NFL defensive tackle Jarrell Worthy and I recap Week 14 and discuss the 49ers' win in New Orleans, the Patriots' struggles, and the current playoff picture. We also predict Week 15's matchups. This is the Pro Football Chase Podcast, a podcast that has featured interviews with Rams wide receiver Robert Woods.
2: Three to thousand yards, um, uh, and you know, last year, unfortunately got hurt mid-mid, way in the season, but other than that, just just working and grinding to, to get to this point, and uh, probably broke it with a lot of games left.
0: Packers wide receiver Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Uh, just the fact that we got, uh, you know, uh, all-pro on the other side of the ball, um, you know, Is um, So when you got a guy like that, you know, that's just going to get the main focus. Um, obviously, you know, people start
2: to know my name a little bit after I made a few plays here and there.
0: Broncos offensive guard Ronald Leary.
2: It would either have to be a counter or uh, a pin and pull play when we get on the edge and run. Uh, I think it's always impressive when big guys can't. Get out that stance and move and hit somebody, so.
0: In rising stars Dalton Risner, Charles Amenahu, and Jawan Williams. This is a podcast that offers player perspectives from some well-decorated veterans, including T.J. Hushman-Zada. And
2: people will say, oh, well, is that press got a franchise quarterback? Uh, look, look at his record, doesn't it? They tell you he is. Oh, he has a great position. He has his Ezekiel Elliott. You tell me a quarterback in the entire NFL, that's not my breaking
0: that does more with that. Game previews, recaps, and analysis. Turn the volume up. The chase is on, and the chase is live. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome into the Pro Football Chase podcast. It's Isaac Signs with you, and joining me yet again is my co-host, NFL defensive tackle Jarrell Worthy. We're gearing up for Week Number Fifteen of the NFL season. So, Jarrell, how are you doing this morning, man?
2: I am doing excellent this morning, man. It's a phenomenal day. Um, it's nut uh, nut check time for for a lot of these teams, and, and going into Week Fifteen um it's uh it's very important man for these teams to understand how how uh how things are going to finish up going down the stretch man so i'm very excited to talk about uh these teams today i'm very excited very excited to share my opinions and uh and well let's get to it bro
0: as we do every single week here on the podcast we have our offensive player of week 14 so this is a way to put a wrap on the previous week so i'll go first Jarrell, and then you can Give your player, but I'm going to go with 49ers wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders. After going back to watch that game, he was sensational in what he was able to do to help propel his team to a big-time victory. One thing about Emmanuel Sanders is he had seven catches for 157 yards. And a touchdown now. That touchdown was for 75 yards. And then he also completed a pass for 35 yards. He threw one in a trick play for Kyle Shanahan. He did it all. And that was a connection with running back Raheem Mostert in the second quarter. He became the first player in 49ers history with a passing and receiving touchdown in the same game. So I have to tip my cap to Emmanuel Sanders for what he was able to do against the Saints.
2: Yeah, Isaac, I, I know it's going to be a good week, man. When the first topic at hand, uh, we have an agreement on. I know a lot of people want to talk about Jimmy G. They want. Um, he was actually announced this week as the uh, Offensive Player of the Week uh, for the NFC, which is um, he had a phenomenal game, throwing for 349 yards, and in a hostile environment like New Orleans, but um, it was phenomenal to to watch uh, Emmanuel Sanders go out there. And have that type of display, um, what he did on Sunday against the Orleans, man. As you said before, he had the seven catches, man, uh, for 157 yards. He even threw four touchdowns, which was phenomenal to see. Um, Kyle Shanahan had, er- had everything working for him on all cylinders. And, I mean, it was exciting, man. I, I told, you, uh, told you earlier in the week, man, you have to have that type of performance when you're going – to face New Orleans because when you're when you're playing them at home, you're not only playing New Orleans, but you're playing the city, the passion and everything that comes behind it. So um, the 49ers had everything working for him. And Emmanuel Sanders, it, it is phenomenal to see him have such a, a spectacular game like he's uh, accustomed to having um, you know, from his years in Pittsburgh and the earlier years with Peyton Manning and, and the Denver Broncos. And so it's exciting to see him get back out there and do what he's accustomed to doing.
0: It is quite the fascinating story for Emmanuel Sanders, who was traded from the Denver Broncos mid-season at the trade deadline, now finds himself on a contender with the 49ers, and he is thriving very well in San Francisco. So let's go to the defensive side of the ball. Jarrell, why don't you go ahead and give me your defensive player of the week?
2: Yeah, it was uh, There's a few guys that we could have talked about this week. Uh, but my, my guys uh, – Uh, Donnell Hunter out um, out of Minnesota Um, the performance that he was able to to put up against Detroit was phenomenal seven tackles three sacks uh, three quarterback hits and uh, he led his team in sacks this year and and he's continuing on on an impressive rate man the youngest player to reach uh, 50 career sacks Um, I mean he's on his way to being um, the guy that we're going to be talking about trying to get a gold jacket if he continues at, at this pace and um, it's just exciting to see. Um, a lot of people aren't talking about the Vikings and the impact that they've uh, and the improvement that they've made over the previous weeks. And and they're starting to be in contention for the NFC North and uh, with Green Bay's performance and how they've been looking a little shaky against inferior teams over the last couple of weeks. The Vikings are right where they need to be. And Donnell Hunter is playing at, uh, at a high level and, and it's very exciting to see.
0: Daniel Hunter is one of the most underrated players in the NFL. Although his stats, they are just eye-popping. The guy is dominant. He's efficient, and he shows up every single week. He's a physical monster and a freak. His athleticism off the edge, so I'm glad you brought him up because he does not get talked about enough. And for me, Jarrell, I had a hard time deciding between two players that play for the same team, so I'm going to go ahead and just announce him as co-defensive players of the week, and I'm going to give it to Rams defensive tackle Aaron Donald and defensive end Dante Fowler Jr., Donald had two tackles, one and a half sacks, one and a half tackles for loss, one pass defense, and four quarterback hits on Sunday night against the Seahawks. And Fowler had four total tackles, two solo, one and a half sacks, one and a half tackles for loss, and three quarterback hits. Both players were instrumental in keeping Russell Wilson flustered in the pocket during that dominant 28-12 win on Sunday. So both of these guys, Jarrell, they are starting to hit their peak performances at the right time. I know you and I both chose the Rams to beat the Seahawks last week and they did not disappoint. These two guys were nearly unblockable and especially as the third and fourth quarter came on, the Seattle offensive line just could not account for either of them.
2: Yeah, see, that's the strength of the Rams defense, man, uh, is their defense aligned. Those playmakers that they have up front, Dante Fowler, Aaron Donald, Michael Brockers, um, those guys are essentially is what runs this this entire team. I mean, I know we like to talk about the offense and what Todd Gurley does and Jared Goff, but it's essentially these guys being able to stop the run and get to the quarterback uh, on a week-in and week-out basis. You have the two-time defensive player of the year. And, I mean, it's phenomenal to see when these guys get to working and. And i bought and like as I as I stressed to you guys last week um, when we had the podcast and um, you know we talked about with Arthur Moltz and and you know you guys wanted to take the Seahawks when it came to the Rams uh, you know Aaron Donald's always had a good number against the, the Seattle Seahawks and in, in previous games played and so um, you know having these guys been at home like I said the lights were on the the stars were out and uh, they were excited to play and it was a great it was a great showing and performance that him and De, and Dante Fowler put on.
0: We'll be talking a little bit more about the Rams coming up on the podcast, but let's go ahead and talk about the underappreciated storyline of week 14. I love this one. We get to talk about a player or storyline in the NFL that isn't necessarily been given the credit that it deserves. So Jarrell, why don't you go ahead and lead us off right here?
2: Well, Isaac, for me, uh, the underappreciated story, I know it's kind of um, it's been under the radar, but kind of on the radar. Uh, I think the performance of of rookie of the rookie out of Missouri, um, second round pick uh, Drew Locke um, for the Denver Broncos, six um, four quarterback, two hundred twenty eight pounds. Um, he's been a guy that's led the Denver Broncos to a two and zero record over the last couple weeks. Um, you know, with all the, the 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 issues that they've had on the offensive line. Um, for him to only get sacked one time in those couple games while other, while uh, Brian, All- I mean, uh, Allen was going down uh, six times and, and Joe Flacco having uh, been sacked 29 times. And um, it's something that they have working, man. He's been able to, to have a completion rate of 72 percent over the last couple games and going into uh, Houston uh, with everything that Houston had to play for and to completely annihilate him with his three touchdowns early in the first half was uh, phenomenal to see. And I mean, it just poses the question, you know, with John Elway sitting up there at the helm, you know, you, do you have a a quarterback of the future? And I think um, with his size and athleticism, you know, he was, he was a second round pick. It wasn't, he's not a guy that, that a lot of people talk about, but to be drafted uh, within the first three rounds in itself is you're, you're, you're a guy that's taken that they think can have an impact on the team right away. And so um, John Elway has confidence in this kid and they continue to put him out there and showcase his skills and, uh, and, and it's and it's really good, man, to see uh, Big Bangio having an opportunity to have some success uh, with a quarterback that's really been unknown all year and uh, get really getting this, this offense and this defense fired up.
0: For me, I'm going to have to give it to Boston Scott, the Eagles running back on Monday Night Football. It was a little bit of a snoozer in the first half. The Giants <laughs> yes. and the Eagles' sloppy play. It was raining all evening there in Philadelphia. But Boston Scott, and this is an injury-depleted Eagles team, by the way. They were down their top three wide receivers after Alshon Jeffrey went out for the game. Lane Johnson had gotten hurt. Things were just swirling out of control. But in comes the unsung hero, Boston Scott. 10 carries, 59 yards, and a touchdown to go along with six receptions for 69 yards. Look, his numbers were not stellar because Miles Sanders did do some work as well he had 45 yards rushing 24 yards in the receiving game but Boston Scott he brought that maximum effort grit he ran with a purpose and he brought energy back into the link after those fans booed their team off the field at halftime trailing 17 to 3 to Eli Manning and the Giants so Boston Scott and what he was able to do man i have to give him the underappreciated storyline of week number 14
2: yeah he had a, a a great impact um you know philly is just the type of town and team man that they that they have right now where they ha- they're in that type of slugfest they're in the the rocky balboa down to the you know the nitty-gritty type of slugfest with the number of injuries that they've had and they're having to overcome a lot of adversity i think uh, i mean like i said man this division it's, it's really it's really been up in the air and and, and you know it's very good to see uh, you know a lot of young guys have opportunity to play um, even a lot of old guys have an opportunity to play shout out Eli manning and what he was able to do man i wish he would have got opportunity um, to showcase what he can do in overtime man it was really good to see uh you know some some young Eli out there throwing it around a little bit and um, and you know he had a really good game especially against uh, one of my old friends. Uh, uh, Darby, man. I, I thought he he, he definitely uh, underachieved last week. And it would have been... It's, uh, it's uh, kind of sad to see. But, you know, it was really good. It was really impressive to see um, Eli Manny air it out.
0: Let's go ahead and move on to fact fiction. We have a couple of statements here. If you're a first-time listener, I'll go ahead and read a statement. Jarrell and I will discuss whether it is a fact or fiction. And we'll give our points why. And so the first topic here... Is about the San Francisco 49ers 11 and 2 after beating the Saints in a big time game that has implications for seeding in the NFC. Now, the Niners are the new number one seed in the conference. So, Jarrell, here's the statement, and we will discuss. The 49ers should be considered the clear cut front runner to represent the NFC in Super Bowl 54. After overtaking the number one seed on Sunday, is it fact or is it fiction? I mean, do you still think there's uh, other teams in the NFC that you would take over the Niners right now?
2: Man, see, this was a very tough, uh, very tough question to answer for me. Um, if you're looking at paper and you're basing it off of you know what has been done and and things of that nature, yes, they're the clear-cut favorite. Uh, to to represent the NFC, you know, in the Super Bowl. But if I'm if I'm basing things off a of situation and how a team is playing at a certain point in time, I would not necessarily give it up to them. I think, you know, the 49ers has an excellent team. I think that they're on track to do everything that they that they that they set out to do. And I think what's most important is to point out that Jimmy G is starting to gain traction at the right time in their season for their offense to be successful and for them to move forward and continue to move the change, Because when you look at this team, they're not like big bruisers up front where they're just going to run the ball down your throat like like years past when they had Colin Kaepernick and those guys went deep into the playoffs and ultimately to the Super Bowl. This isn't a bruiser type of offense where we're going to just give you the ball 40 times a game. This is an offense that relies on play action pass, uh, you know, uh, dinks and dunks, screens, um, have an opportunity to make big plays with the speedsters that they have over, over the top. And so, I think when I look on paper, I want to say that they're going to be the clear-cut favorite and and to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. But I just think if the Seahawks and them run into each other at a, at another point in time, with the way that Russell Wilson has always had their number, I just have to I just have to I would have to give the edge to Russell Wilson in that in that situation. Just have played them in that division, have an opportunity to see them over and over again. And having the success that he's had with virtually nobody as as opposed to the superstars that the 49ers are playing with on their team at this point in time now, the young superstars. And so if there was a situation where they ran into the Seahawks and uh, later in the year, as opposed to as opposed to like earlier in the year, like they did, I think the Seahawks will have their number and it would be it would it would definitely be a hell of a game
0: to see. I'm going to say fact to that statement. I do see this 49ers team as the favorites in the NFC, and I understand that there's still three weeks to play. And looking at the Niners' schedule, they have two tough opponents, and both of them are divisional games because they'll host the Falcons on Sunday, and then they're going to have to play the Rams, who are look like they're peaking at the right time. And then they're going to play those Seahawks, who you're just talking about, Jarrell. They're going to go to Seattle this time after the Seahawks win to San Francisco earlier this year in prime time and pulled out a stunner in overtime. So I, compl- I completely understand that viewpoint that you're presenting right now. But looking at the personnel on this 49ers team, now I will preface my point by saying San Francisco did get hit with the injury bug big time. They lost their starting center Weston Richburg for the season with a torn patellar tendon. And then D. Ford is going to be sidelined for the next three weeks with a lingering hamstring injury. Richard Sherman, grade two hamstring strain. So they lost a couple of players in Sunday's game against the Saints. But what makes this team stand out from the rest in the NFC is it's coaching, it's Kyle Shanahan, his ability to dial up plays in crunch time. Jimmy Garoppolo, we're we're seeing him starting to take that jump forward, making plays down the field. I mean four touchdown passes, 349 yards game-winning last-minute drive connected with George Kittle who came through with that big hole run where he stiff-armed Williams and, and put the Niners in position to win that game. And Debo Samuel, the rookie, he's starting to come through in a big-time way to compliment Emmanuel Sanders. And defensively, that is really the big-time difference that San Francisco has, in my opinion, you look at that front seven, they're number one in pass defense, second in total defense, and then, of course, they are struggling in run defense, Jarrell, 22nd in that category, so they're going to have to shore that up, but the makeup of their roster, the way they're able to overcome adversity and battle back in these tough games, Joe, because both of their losses this season, they are 11-2, and two, they've come by three points, 27-24 to Seattle in overtime, and then 20-17 to, to those Baltimore Ravens in what was a slugfest there in Baltimore. So I do like this Niners team, and I do see them as the number one favorite in the NFC to represent in the super bowl
2: yeah they you don't you you make some compelling arguments man that gives them a lot of traction i mean they they seem to be the most complete team in the nfl at this point in time now they have defense they have the quarterback they uh with the trade of emmanuel sanders they have a bit a a veteran receiver that knows how to run the entire route tree along with a speedy receiver in debo samuel that's been able to to emerge as a as a very uh a very exciting receivers to watch this year. So you definitely make some arguments about the 49ers having an opportunity to contend. I just think for me, it's personally going to come down to week 17 and therefore on Um, once they run into, uh, I mean, Seattle in Seattle, seeing a a MVP elite Russell Wilson at that point in time, I just want to, I want to gauge everything off that week 17 matchups there. And there's a ton of them. That's the NFL that's going to be going down to the wire. um, I.E. the Steelers and the Ravens and a couple others.
0: The best matchups are up ahead, and I'm looking forward to watching them. So let's go to the next fact fiction statement, Jarrell. We know the Patriots are back in the headlines about a potential cheating scandal. We won't get much into that until the NFL makes a ruling <laughs> in that investigation, bro. But uh, it is certainly not surprising to all of us with the whole Bengals Play calling and sideline, but we're going to talk about the Patriots, just not on that yet until, as I said, the NFL comes down with an official ruling. The talk of the town there in Foxborough has been their offense and how they've struggled this season. We saw it again against Kansas City. They struggled to get going. Tom Brady looks flustered. There's not a whole lot going for them on that side of the ball. Now, luckily for Bill Belichick's squad, that defense has won them a lot of games for the physicality that they're playing with. So here's a statement, and we are going to discuss The Patriots' lack of offensive firepower will cost them a deep playoff run this season. Is it fact or fiction? I
2: would have to say that that's fact. I think their defense and special teams have virtually done everything that they could do uh, to keep this team in contention. And I think that, you know, obviously Tom Brady's struggles isn't just solely on Tom Brady. But a lot of their struggles is on Tom Brady, the, the fading away when, you know, you have opportunities to stand in the pocket and and complete a pass. You know, when we go back to that last play against Julian Edelman, if he doesn't fade away, does the, the Peyton Manning, Eli Manning throw away to, you know, to reserve themselves? I think if he stands in there and, and takes that hit and takes that hit and delivers a, 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 an accurate pass that he's accustomed to making, then the we wouldn't even be sitting here talking about the Patriots' struggles. We'll be talking about how the Patriots had an opportunity to come back and they had an opportunity to compete in overtime against the Chiefs. And so um, when I look at when I look at the Patriots, I I, I want to start up front. I just their offensive line doesn't look the same. Uh, they don't they don't look effective when they're trying to run the football. They don't look impressive in their play action passes. They're letting guys uh, sweep through and come through and. And there's been a lot of pressure in Birdie's face in which he's not accustomed to. And so I think at the moment, I think at this point in time, you have to try to find more, find ways to to protect Tom Birdie and also get guys out into routes. We know that Julian Edelman is going to be running the, the option routes in most cases. Otherwise, he's going to be running double moves down the sideline. But they don't have another playmaker. Uh, other than Philip Dorsett, who's had some phenomenal games this year and has some not so phenomenal games this year, they don't have another guy that gives them that that threat that we have to put another safety over the top or we have to double down and bracket this guy when he's running a lot of inside routes. I think at the end of the day, they they're gonna have to they're gonna have to bite the bullet, swallow their pride, and they're gonna have to go out into free agency and try to find a player that's gonna have opportunity to compete with them. I know that they don't want to do the Antonio Brown thing. But I know a player as in, as in like Des Bryant, a guy that's been out there can, uh, showcasing his CEO, showcasing that he's been competing, that he's, he's mentally and physically in the right mind in order to uh, come back and make an NFL comeback and compete for a contender. Uh, he's a big guy that can get off press and, have, and, and, and has a, a big catch radius. And so I think at that point in time, you could look into a guy like that. He's a, a non-guaranteed type of deal in order to keep these guys afloat in order to make a, a, a similar splash and, and lift some spirits in the locker room in order for them to, to get moving offensively. And so, I mean, when I'm looking at that, I look at the offensive line and then I go to coaching. You know, Joshua Daniels is going to be up for a lot of coaching jobs this year. But if I'm a guy that's, that's running a team, I'm, I'm just trying to sit here and think that, um, you know, with, with Brady's in, you know inefficiencies and how he's been, you know, down and up over the past couple of years – you know, I gotta look at the coaching, the play calling, and the and the and the way that they've been running their offense has been uh, very subpar. So and so, I mean, at the end of the day, he's a he. This is his resume just as well as it is Tom Brady's and and the offensive line and the receivers. So they're gonna have to figure something out.
0: I'm gonna actually oppose you. I'm gonna say fiction. I know the sky is falling in New England right now. They're entering Week 15, having lost two games in a row for the first time this season, while also experiencing their first loss at home in 22 games. So, there's a whole lot of things unfolding and unraveling there. And I think you're making some good points as well about the Patriots and how they just aren't firing on all cylinders. But I will say that the reason why I feel like this Patriots team is still going to make a run into the playoffs. It's because of this defense. I know offensively right now they do not have much firepower. Julian Edelman is their go-to guy. They are feeling the absence of Rob Gronkowski, not having that big body at tight end. Tom Brady surely, I bet you, is really, really wishing that Gronkowski played one more season at this point in the year. And you look at their receiving core, I mean, you mentioned Philip Dorsett, he's battled injuries. And I think one thing that has kind of fallen short of expectations, Jarrell, is the acquisition of Mohammed Sanu. You and I, we both talked about the trade here on the podcast, and we are both in agreement that this was a phenomenal move for the Patriots, a guy that represents that Patriots way, hard-nosed player, Good blocker on the outside, physical, but maybe his age is showing. And and a lot of people saw his production decline in Atlanta, but people just figured, well, now he's in New England. He's with Tom Brady. He's with Josh McDaniels. He's going to thrive now. Well, the Patriots really haven't seen a whole lot from him now. Granted, he's been... Dealing with injuries as well. He's got that ankle sprain. So, you know, he's a little banged up as well. But I think that has been a disappointment. The only saving grace, I think, for this Patriots offense is the development of Nakiel Harry, their first-round wide receiver, who has been playing the last couple of weeks. He's been out of uh, sorts a little bit. I know he ran a wrong route that resulted in an interception a couple of weeks ago. So he was put in the doghouse. They're going to have to rely on him to get up to speed a little bit more in that offense. And they were saying that McDaniel's offense is so complex. But I do agree with you, Jarrell. Their offensive line, you look at Isaiah Wynn, Joe Thune, Ted Karras, who's been dealing with a knee injury, Shaq Mason, Marcus Cannon. That starting five has not been as effective in previous years. And you look at Sony Michelle, Jarrell last postseason that guy went on a tear and this year he has 653 yards rushing six touchdowns with a mediocre underwhelming 3.5 yards per carry average so no run game to speak of but i'm still gonna say this team is gonna be a factor in the playoffs because of that defense we talked about how dominant they are and in the playoffs defenses win games i mean shutting down opposing offenses they're 10-3 still. The final three games, I'd like them to win out. I mean, they got at Cincinnati, 1-12, home to Buffalo, which that will be their biggest challenge, who's 9-4. And then they finish with the Dolphins, 3-10 and in Week 17. So while there's a whole lot of panic, Jarrell, in New England, the Patriots are probably going to finish at 13-3 and and still push for a first-round bye. Yeah,
2: I mean, you know, when you look at the scheduling obviously is you're definitely taking favor of the Patriots. Um I think um realistically it's for me it's it's the offense that they're going to the offenses they're going to have to see in the in the playoffs. And they're going to be running back into the 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 Patrick Mahomes, they're going to be running back into the Lamar Jackson's, the, the Deshaun Watson's of the league. And so um when I look at those three quarterbacks, those are the guys that essentially kicked my tail this year, and I had no answer for. It. And so when I have an opportunity to go back into the playoffs and I'm going back against them, I know bill belichick is a, is a hell of a coach and he's a Hall of Fame guy. Everything,, uh, you know, everything is 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 definitely works in his favor when it comes to X's and O's, but these are these three players are generational type players, man, and it's hard to shut down a guy like that. Um, on multiple occasions, and I just think at the end of the day, if they don't have an offense to keep up with the exciting play of these three players that they're going to have to go through in order to be in the Super Bowl, that uh, then they're definitely going to be in trouble. I think that their defense is going to have opportunities to make plays, but these quarterbacks, man, that they're going to be facing, uh, they just they have things about them that you can't that you can't scheme. And so at the end of the day, they're going to ha- they're going to have ability to make plays, and the Patriots are going to have to have opportunities to keep up.
0: And I will say. I think Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, Robert Kraft, I think all those guys, they are absolutely loving it right now because the Patriots, they're getting bad PR, they're having people doubt them again, they're getting bulletin board material with all these people shutting them down right now. So I think they're loving it right now. And yet again, as we see time and time again, I'm sure when the time comes, they're going to roll out. All their top play calls are going to get in sync and we're going to see this Patriots team go far again. But you do make some valid points. There are some concerns. Yes, offensively, we'll see how these things sort out. But I fully expect them to finish this season strong and get in a good position to secure a first round bye. So, Jarrell, we're going to go ahead and move on. To a topic of debate before we get into week 15 game picks and this has to do with two in the hunt teams one from each conference afc nfc we got the titans we got the rams they're both playing good football so here is the debate topic which eight and five in the hunt playoff team is suited to have more success in their respective conference should they make the postseason? Is it the Tennessee Titans who are rolling with Tannehill, or is it the Los Angeles Rams?
2: Man, so uh, after looking at both teams and, and they're both eight and five, um, I think for me personally, I would have to go with the Tennessee Titans. In order for them to have success, they have to run the ball, play great defense. Uh, you know, the play action pass must be impactful for them in order for them to remain successful, a team moving forward. But the play of Derrick Henry, man, uh, the consistency with him going over 100 yards week in and week out, I think he's up to four or five weeks consecutively now. They know what they have to do in order to to make uh, to make noise. And I think they have their confidence in their defense. They have the confidence in their offensive line that they know that they can be bruisers. And the play of rookie A.J. Brown, man, has been really spectacular this year. Um, I know we like to talk about Ryan Tannehill, but this kid has come onto the scene um, He's big, he's fast, and he's been able to to literally uh, throw DBs to the side when he's on his way to the end zone. And so I personally think that they have everything that they need in order to make the run. The Rams don't have the offensive line in the, in the consistent running game like they did last year with C.J. Anderson and Todd Gurley um, working together in order for them to be successful. And I just don't necessarily see them. Ah, uh, making a long, uh, a big push in the NFC. Uh, when you have, when you when I'm looking at teams like San Francisco, Seattle, Green Bay, I just don't necessarily think that they would have the opportunity to compete with those teams.
0: Yeah, and Tennessee, what they've been able to do, Jarrell, it's been really impressive. Mike Vrabel, I know earlier this season. I was questioning, well, is this guy going to stay around? Because under Marcus Mariota, they just couldn't quite get any offense going. Their defense has always been very strong under Dean Pease, who came over from Baltimore, came out of retirement. So I really respect what the Titans got going on. And they got a big game, by the way, coming up against the Texans. And that's going to decide who's going to be on top of the division with the last two weeks to play. So we'll go ahead and preview that game here in a little bit. But I'm going to have to go with the L.A. Rams. So I know you you brought up the tough NFC conference and in the NFC West alone you got the Niners and you got the uh, Seahawks in there but should they be able to catch the Vikings who they're just a game back for that playoff spot in the NFC I like what they're doing right now you know it's been a roller coaster season for Sean McVay and this Rams team there's been moments where people have questioned Sean McVay about well maybe it's time For the Rams to pull the plug, you know how quickly these storylines are continuing to alter throughout the season. But the Rams, they've won three of their last four games. Their loss came against the Ravens 45-6 to when they got embarrassed at the Coliseum on Monday Night Football. But now they're starting to peak, Jarrell, at the right time. We're starting to see this offense look explosive vintage 2018 Rams performance against the Seahawks on Sunday night football. McVay seemed like he was one step ahead of Pete Carroll all night. The play-action game was working. They were crossers running open in the secondary. They're starting to utilize the jet sweep a little bit more. So the Rams, they're looking good. They're making big strides. Wade Phillips has the defense starting to play a little bit better. I know Jalen Ramsey, they've had... A mix up in that secondary, Troy Hill has looked really good, who stepped in for an overshifted L.A. secondary. By the way, he put together a big-time performance. Again, it goes back to that front seven, drill We talked about this being the strength of the Rams team, Dante Fowler, Aaron Donald, and a lot of people are not talking about him, but he is having himself a really strong season. Clay Matthews, people thought he was washed up, When he finished his time in Green Bay. But he has hit the fountain of youth in LA. And he is starting to become a factor. They got the Cowboys coming up. Which I am expecting them to beat them down into a pulp. Which we're going to talk about in a little bit. And then they got the Niners, Jarrell. So this is going to be a real tough challenge for them. We'll see if they're back when they have to go to Santa Clara. And take on the two lost Niners team. And then they'll finish with the Cardinals at home. So if they can win two of their final three games, finish at 10-6, and six, they'll have a chance to get into the playoffs. But knowing how tough this NFC is, they may have to go unbeaten, Jarrell. But nonetheless, I still like this Rams team to have more success in the playoffs over a team like the Titans and the AFC. Just considering the makeup they have with the coaching staff with the personnel and, and what they're able to do as far as potential. And we've already seen that happen last year.
2: Yeah. I mean, they definitely have everything that they need. I mean, obviously you have Jalen Ramsey on the outside, Eric Orto in the back. Uh, Clay Matthews is going to uh, have an opportunity to do his thing, coming back and, and, and playing well. And Aaron Donald and Dante Fowler, they're doing their thing. They have the veteran leadership in in order to to, to succeed and get this thing done. I think... Just for me personally, the success of Todd Gurley is going to be the ultimate factor for them. And I think if they don't necessarily – if they don't have an identity and they're not giving him the ball to where he can be having uh, those those late pushes where he's going over 100 yards and, you know, keeping the chains rolling and the time of possession in their favor, I don't necessarily see them continuing uh, their success. I think the Cowboys are going to give them a hell of a game this week. And I know we want to talk – you know, we, we're going to get into our picks and everything like that. Um, but I don't want to I don't want to necessarily write off Dallas just right away. And I think Ram the Rams coming into Jerry world is going to be a big test for them. And so uh, I, I personally I personally think they're going to be on the ropes the next few, the next few weeks, man. I mean, San Francisco is going to be very tough and the Cardinals are no pushover either, man. I think, you know, they took, a, you know, the, the Steelers down to the wire. And I know the personnel is, is not the same, but I mean, they're continuing to improve their play. And so they're they're going to be trying to play spoiler for a lot of different teams.
0: Good topic right there. You got the Titans. I got the Rams. So now we get to go in to these Week 15 game picks, which I like to talk about. Let's go ahead and start on Thursday Night Football and what should be a massacre. The 5-8 and eight Jets going to Baltimore <laughs> to take on the 11-2 Ravens. 8.20 p.m. Eastern Time. I am going Ravens 34-10. John Harbaugh. Probably is going to have the luxury of pulling all his starters in the fourth quarter. Complete beatdown over the New York Jets.
2: Uh, I personally I personally would agree with you, man. Um, I think that they're going to have a, a dominated performance. I personally have the winning 41-14. to 14, And I def- and I saw that him at RG3 would get at least 50 yards rushing. And so that's going to be my bold prediction. And so, you know, hopefully Le'Veon Bell proves me wrong. And he can go out there and ball like he did in a bowling alley. <laughs> you know, shout out to my, shout out to my Spartan dog. That's my Spartan dog. I love you, bro. But if he can go out there with that same flavor and give them a little bit of a competition, I think it uh it would be exciting to see. But I do have the the Ravens dominating 40, 41
0: to 14. And maybe we can see that Heisman package again with Mark Ingram, Robert Griffin, and Lamar Jackson all in the field. Who knows? I'm looking forward to seeing Jackson in prime time. It's going to be a blowout unless something unpredictable happens. Next matchup here, 10-3 and Patriots at the 1-12 Bengals. So this is a little bit of an investigation going on about these Pats trying to steal the hand signs of the Bengals' offense. And Zach Taylor, say what you want about it. We'll see what happens with the investigation. But I'm taking the Pats. 28-13 on the road. This is a Patriots team that I expect to dominate on defense, force a couple of turnovers, although Dalton is back under center, but New England, they're gonna come out on top.
2: Man, no, New England, New England don't have to win by two touchdowns. They have to win by like four touchdowns. Like the like, you literally have to blow out the Cincinnati Bengals to where you where you make people feel like there was never ever a need to be under investigation for anything. And so like I personally think that they're gonna come out and make a statement. I have them winning in a dominated performance 35 to 10. And so hopefully they make me right. And uh, Bill Belichick has the opportunity to shine.
0: Bucks at Lions 6-7 Tampa. So they're starting to do some winning. Jameis Winston's playing well, also turning the ball over, which we are all accustomed to by now. Lions 3-9-1. Give me Tampa Bay to keep on rolling. I know Mike Evans is likely done for the year, but I still think they got the weapons. Chris Godwin out there, 34-20. Give me Tampa over Detroit.
2: I, I personally will take Tampa uh, over Detroit, man. Like It's so fun like watching Jameis Winston play because you, like, you know he's going to either light it up on the yards or he's going to light it up with interceptions. So it's like you never necessarily know what you're going to get. Um, hopefully he continues his hot streak. I personally have them winning 24 to 13 and hopefully they can they can continue their uh their dominating performance on offense.
0: Bears at Packers a big time NFC North battle. The Bears at 7 and 6 are are trying to stay alive. Packers 10 and 3. I actually have an upset here, Jarrell. The Packers have been a little bit underwhelming. I know the 10-3 record is deceiving, but they have been very inconsistent, and they continue to show weakness up front on defense. They're getting pushed around, and so I actually had a very difficult time choosing a winner in this game, but I do like the Bears going to Green Bay with that defense at full strength. Starting to play a little bit of that bully ball on the ground with David Montgomery, Mitchell Trubisky starting to look a little bit better. So give me Chicago in a low scoring game, 20 to 17.
2: I too pointed it out, but I mean, when we're talking about the Packers and the Bears, the rivalry uh, at Lambeau Field, I know what Khalil Mack was able to do last time he was up there, but. I just personally, would, I'm personally going to take the Packers. I know it's going to be a slugfest. Um, 27-24, uh, Matt Nagy's going to come out with a hell of a game plan, but I just think that Mason Crosby's going to have an opportunity to win it at the end. So I'm going to say 27-24, Pack.
0: Big matchup in the AFC South. 8-5 Texans going to take on the Titans, 8-5 and five in Nashville, Tennessee. This is going to be a good one to watch. I have the Titans squeaking out a tight victory, 26-24 over the Texans. The Texans were completely embarrassed at home by the Broncos and Drew Locke. So you bet they're looking forward to getting back on the field. But Tennessee, they're clicking, they're firing on all cylinders. Ryan Tannehill's playing at another level. And Derrick Henry, I think he's the difference. I think he's going to have another big game on the ground. They'll control the time of possession over the Texans. They'll be at home so give me the Titans, 26-24.
2: Yo, I think this is going to be a hell of a game. I, I personally, though, I'm going to take Deshaun Watson, man. I think those guys are going to have something to say. This is up for the, the division. Um, him and DeAndre Hopkins are going to have an opportunity to prove how good they really are in the league. And so I pers- I'm personally going to take uh, the Texans, 34-31. Um, to 31.
0: 5-8 and eight Broncos at 9-4 and four Chiefs. I have the Chiefs winning this one, but not by a wide margin. I have the Chiefs edging them 27-20. to 20. I like Mahomes to put together another strong performance, but do not sleep on the Broncos. Drew Locke has brought some more juice to that Denver football team, but in the end, playing at Arrowhead is the difference. KC over Denver.
2: Yeah, I think um, I think the Kansas City Chiefs are going to win in, a, in an impressive fashion. I have them winning by seventeen points, thirty-four to seventeen. Um, hopefully, they make me right. Um, I just think that they're starting to improve on all cylinders. Patrick Mahomes' health is starting to improve. The uh, the team is starting to improve, and I think that their defense is picking picking things up. Man, only giving up fourteen points a game the last couple games. Dolphins
0: three and ten at the Giants two and eleven. Another tank bowl we have on our hands. Give me the Giants to win twenty three sixteen at home. I know Eli Manning is probably gonna be the starter as Daniel Jones continues to nurse a high ankle sprain. And it'll be Saquon Barkley. He's a big time playmaker. I think he breaks off a runner two that gives the Giants a narrow victory over the Dolphins.
2: Man, let's go Giants. Uh let's go to G the G Man as Chris Berman like to say.
0: Yeah.
2: Man, I think uh I, I I don't know. I don't I don't necessarily uh, really have a prediction for this one I would if I had to guess man I would go 2017 Giants um, hopefully these guys light it up and it's it's an entertaining game
0: six and seven Eagles at the three and ten Redskins this is big for the Eagles to stay atop that NFC's division I think they get the job done I know they lost out Jeffrey again Lane Johnson's probably going to be out with that ankle sprain but I still like them to pull one through 27-17 over the Redskins
2: Oh, man. Tough matchup. Uh, The Eagles got to win. And I mean, in order to stay alive, they have to win this game. And so I I hope that they come out in impressive fashion. And I have them winning uh, 30 to 13.
0: Four and nine Jaguars. Gardner Minshew going on the road to take on the six and seven Raiders at the Coliseum. The Raiders have been falling apart the last three, four weeks but I like their chances to get the victory over the Jaguars in a low scoring affair, 19 to 17 at home with Derek Carr putting together a game winning drive.
2: Um, I think the Raiders are going to win in impressive fashion. I think that they're going to have an opportunity to, uh, to get to, to guard the Minshew a lot. And so um, hopefully Max Crosby continue to do his thing. And so I, I think Derek Carr is going to have an opportunity to score a lot of points. And so,
0: I have them winning 24-10. 6-7 Browns at the 3-9-1 Cardinals. Another big game for the Browns to just keep their playoff hopes alive. I actually am going to go with the underdog, Jarrell. I picked the Bengals to upset the Browns last week, and that almost happened. It was 27-19. The Cardinals, I think they're a little bit better than their record indicates. They're at home. I like Kyler Murray in this one, taking on his former OU buddy, Baker Mayfield. Give me the Cardinals in the upset, 30-23 to over the dysfunctional Cleveland Browns right now.
2: Man, oh, man. No, no, no. I'm going to take Cleveland. I think that they were impressive last week. I think that in order to win this game, they're going to have to go in there and they're going to have to run the football. Um, so I'm, I, I think Nick Chubb is going to continue his success, as well as Kareem Hunt having an opportunity to get some balls. And so um, I have them squeezing out a victory, man, 18-13. to
0: Nine and four Vikings at the five and eight Chargers. The Chargers are coming off a dominant display against the Jaguars. Philip Rivers lighting it up. The same week after you, I, and uh, Arthur had a good crack about Philip Rivers. But uh, look, Jarrell, this is a Isaac upset special of the week. Give me the Chargers to get the job done over the Vikings, 29-26. The Chargers, let's not forget, they are very talented on both sides of the ball. So I'd like them to pull it out over the Minnesota Vikings by three. Man, I don't. I, I think that the
2: Vikings are going to have opportunities to to win and win big. I think that they're going to uh, shut down Austin Eckler, who had a hell of a game last week. Uh, Phillip Rivers should definitely take this kid out to dinner this week um you know as far as the, you know the 12 touches and um over 200 yards all purpose and i think that he had a phenomenal game and so but i don't think that i don't think that Mike Zimmer is going to allow that to happen again this week and i i th- i have the vikings winning by two touchdowns um and thirty thirty one 31 to 17
0: 8 and 5 rams at the 6 and 7 cowboys i have the rams winning this one and winning big right now the cowboys they are struggling in all phases of the game. They look lifeless, and I think at this point, as a Cowboy fan, I want to see them turn the corner, but I think they are what they are at this point in the year. The Rams are playing hot football right now, so i like them to go into AT&T Stadium and take care of business. 38-23 over the Cowboys.
2: Man, I know, uh, I know you want to. you don't necessarily want to make that pick. So I'm gonna make it for you, man. I'm gonna take the Cowboys this week. I think that, that they're gonna have opportunity to find some success, man. If I'm, if I'm them, Jason Whitten, I'm in the I'm in the locker room, stressing the guys. This is our season right here. We lose this game, this this is what it is, you know. I think that they're that you won't have to worry about getting to Philly because, uh, you know, they're they're gonna be mentally heartbroken. We have opportunity to win against a, a tough opponent at home, and I think that they're gonna come out and be pretty impressive. So. Uh, that make me right. Um, I've got them 27-21 over the Rams and hopefully uh, I continue to keep this hot streak
0: up. Man, Jarrell, I hope you are accurate, man. I just don't have the confidence right now in the Cowboys. We'll see, man. It should be a good game. But we got uh, three more matchups here. Falcons 4-9 at the Niners 11-2. Give me San Francisco to win in a lopsided affair 27-10. to
2: Man, we had the same exact uh, prediction for this game i think the falcons are, have found something um offensively they continue to you know come out on all cylinders and fight i have no reason i have no clue why i think uh you know I mean, with the draft and coming up and the, ta- the amount of talent that's going into the draft i don't necessarily understand why they want to start coming out and playing their best football after they've already been eliminated from the playoffs but but i too have the 49ers winning twenty seventeen.
0: Bills at Steelers, big time game. I'm glad they flexed this one to Sunday night football. Nine and four Bills. Eight and five Steelers. We're gonna see Duck Hodges again. He's undefeated as a starter. I'm going to actually go with the Steelers, Jarrell, 23-16. I think Pittsburgh's defense is going to get the job done, and it should be a defensive battle because the Bills got themselves a heck of a defensive unit as well. But the difference is T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree, those guys coming off the edge. I think they're going to pressure Josh Allen and force a couple of turnovers. The Steel crew comes through 23-16.
2: Bro, I like how you put that, man. The steel crew comes through. Like, that was kind of smooth. But um, <laughs> I personally I, – I'm going to take Bill's Mafia, man. I think, you know, with this type of affair, these types of games, defensive battles, um, you know, you have Ducky Hodges. He's 3-0 as a starter. Went out the, to uh, to Arizona. They got the win last week. But it was a big defensive um, big defensive win for them last week. You have Joe Hayden get the, the interception off Kyle Murray um, in a crucial situation. And so I just think personally – I'm going to take the Buffalo Bills. They've been they've been phenomenal on the road. Their defense is, has held opponents under 21 points on the road. They've been spectacular, and so I just think that they're going to have opportunities to shine. And I like Josh Josh Allen's ability to escape the pocket when the pressure is on. Which I know that Bud Dupree and TJ Watt are going to be outside rushers uh, coming or off that edge up the field. And I'd like for him to step up in the pocket and make some plays down the field with his legs and his also his arms. So. I think it's going to be a very tough game. I think it's going to be a close game for them to win. But I have the Buffalo Bills squeaking out a win, man. 23-20 to 20 out there in Pittsburgh. I know it's going to be exciting. It's going to be crazy. I have them squeaking out a win in Pittsburgh.
0: Really looking forward to watching that game. But to close out Week 15, Monday Night Football, the Colts 6-7. and seven. Man, they have fallen apart, Jarrell. I know injuries have played a factor, but at this point – all they can hope is win out and see what happens. It's not looking very promising for them to get in the playoffs, but we'll see. Saints 10 and 3 coming off a really close loss to the Niners. Give me the Saints to bounce back at home 31-17 over the Colts.
2: Yeah, I think it's going to, you know, they're going to continue their offensive success. Um, I mean, I like what they're doing offensively. I think that they're going to have to continue to improve defensively. I know the loss of Sheldon Rakens is, is definitely heartbreaking for them um, with, the, with the good football that he's been playing this year and their defensive front being a real good strength for this team. And so I think that they need to have opportunities, and, and I think that their, their offense is going to be what, what carries them. And so I definitely I have the Saints winning 34-18. Um, to 18. And I just, I mean, it's its tough to talk about the coach like this because they, they were definitely high on a lot of people's radars in order to make the Super Bowl. And um, they've just been underachieving a lot this year, especially with the amount of injuries that they've been uh, accumulating.
0: Now we will answer one fan question before we end today's podcast. There's a couple that came in, but we answered them in our earlier topics, Jarrell. We're going to answer Joshua's question. He wants to know, what is one head coach that you can sit here and say that he will be fired after this season? Oh, well, number one is Jason Garrett, like, for sure. Yeah, baby, and let's throw Dallas a party. Cowboys, like, yeah, man, I
2: know I know, you love to hear that, man. I know Jason Garrett for sure is one coach um, that's definitely going to be on his way out the door. Freddie Kitchens for sure in Cleveland. They're going to have to make a, a personality change there. They're going to have to get a guy in there that's going to be able to come with a traditional feel but he's going to be able. He's going to have opportunity to connect with the youth because that's what's moving and progressing the NFL forward. Are the young the young quarterbacks, the guys that um, are continue to put their their stamp and approval on the league, i.e. Baker Mayfield, those types of guys. Um, a guy that's going to have to come in and, and make a personality change for this team because they have a lot of star power when you look at it on paper, and they haven't equaled it to, equaled out to the amount of wins that everybody predicted this year, and so. I think Freddie Kitchens is one guy you'll start to see uh, be on the hot seat going out the door. Um, and me personally, if I had to, if I have to think, man, um, down in Houston, man, uh, man, I just, man, I lost all try. Bill all O'Brien, tries. Uh, there you go, man. I'm, man, I wanted to say O'Grady for a second. I'm <laughs> Irish, 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 all over the place. But look, he he's having an opportunity to bring his team to the playoffs, and I think with the with the type of team that they put together, I know that in their secondary they're a little bit vulnerable, but. They've had so much. They had. They've had a lot of opportunities in order to take over this conference, and their, I mean, not their conference, but their division. And they've continued to fall short, and they've allowed Tennessee to be in this position now, to where they're actually fighting for their divisional lives this week up against Tennessee. And so, I think another another coach is going to be on the hot seat if they don't have an opportunity to take this type of team with the offensive firepower power that they have to the playoffs. Is Bill O'Brien? All
0: right, two coaches for me. How about Doug Marone from the Jaguars, 4 9? I think the writing is on the wall. They're going to be letting him go after the season disappointing year for the Jaguars. I know they had a quarterback debacle. It was Nick Foles. He got hurt. Gardner Minshew stepped in, played well, and now they went back to Minshew after Nick Foles. So they're going to have some financial questions to sort out with Nick Foles and what they're going to do with that $88 million contract. But I think Marone is definitely done in Jacksonville and the other coach and maybe even GM pairing that is going to be gone on Black Monday Pat Shermer and Dave Gettleman, they're another pair that seem to be running thin there in New York with the Maras wanting to make a potential change. And now that Ron Rivera is floating out there, there's been some rumors about the Giants going after him in the offseason. We'll see what happens, but those coaches right there, along with the ones you mentioned, Jarrell, they are in jeopardy of losing their jobs. And so we're going to see what exactly happens as the final three weeks of the season unfold. But there you have it. Jarrell, I appreciate it again, man. Thanks for taking the time to join the podcast and have a great rest of the week. Man,
2: thank you again. I've always uh, appreciated having an opportunity to talk football, man, talk any type of thing when it comes to sports. And so uh, fans continue to, to support us continue to to share your questions and everything like that and and spice up these questions so we can get juicy, man.
1: And uh, we appreciate
2: it and uh, continue to keep going.
0: We'll be back here next Wednesday. Everybody have a great weekend. God bless and take care.
1: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.